Happy Thursday. You're joining us on The Briefing Room, coming to you from the Washington Bureau of ABC News. I'm John Santucci, alongside White House correspondent Tara Palmieri. We are in day 20 of the government shutdown, and the president today is down on the southern border. He's taking a tour with border agents as he's trying to get Democrats on Capitol Hill to pay for his border wall. I do want to go right to ABC's chief national correspondent, Matt Gutman. He's been down there today as the president has been uh, doing his trip. Matt, you, you know, you, you've been there for a few days. You've been talking to officials down there. Just set the scene for us. What are you seeing right down there at the border right now, Matt? I will set the scene for you, John. Hi. Good to see you again. Uh, right now, we're just outside the McAllen Airport, and uh, probably about a 1,000 yards from where we are is the president's plane. It's parked. There's obviously heavy security there. The entire town is, in fact, uh, full of sheriff's department officials, Homeland Security, Border Patrol, and you can see some of those elements behind us, obviously he heavily armed people trying to make sure the president is safe. This is, however, one of the safest cities in America. McAllen, Texas, has a murder rate in 2018 of zero. Uh, so the local mayor here with whom the president will have just met um, and now he's going to spend some time with the border uh, patrol. But uh, the mayor here will have told him, according to what he told us, is that um, he doesn't think that they need the wall here. He doesn't think that they want the wall here. It will disrupt trade with Mexico. It's not necessary and it won't stop asylum seekers. And asylum seekers are really the major humanitarian concern. That's what the border patrol is dealing with. That's what they're asking for help from the president to deal with. Uh, and that's what we're told the Border Patrol will show the president uh, where we were yesterday, right along the river, where about 800, 700, 800 migrants, uh, mostly asylum seekers, cross every day. And as soon as they step foot in the United States, John, they basically are granted permission to get their asylum uh, proceeding moving. Um, and that means that most of them will be released on their own recognizance before a, a court date in the future, could be years in the future, um, after about two or three days of detention. And that's something that the Border Patrol is concerned about. Uh, they are enforcing law, but that's also clearly what they're going to talk to the president about, John. And uh, Matt, a lot of these landowners, they don't really want to give their land over to the government right now to build this wall, right? Because that a lot of these people own the property where the building would happen. Did the mayor mention anything about that? The mayor didn't mention specific landowners. Um, I think that many of them would actually sell their land. They would, they would be compensated if uh, the border barrier went between their land um, and the river. Uh, a lot of the river, a lot of the Rio Grande area is actually wildlife preserve. Uh, it's state-owned and federal-owned uh, and protected. So um, that wouldn't be an issue everywhere. There are certain environmental issues, uh, flooding issues that people have talked about. I think all of this remains to be worked out fully. We're not quite sure um, what is the most accurate up-to-date assessment of the effects, the long-term effects of a border barrier here. Now, what the Border Patrol um, is talking about are those steel slats that the president has started to, to talk about and advocate right. for. Um, they want those steel slats all the way from Brownsville, where they exist now, about 55 miles of steel slats along the border in the Rio Grande area where we are right now. Border Patrol wants 270 miles of those steel slats, those pikes. Um, basically the entirety of this sector and in other sectors as well. They're going to push for that. Obviously the president is going to want to hear that because that's what he's been pushing for. But in that round table in which he will have just wrapped right about now, um, he's going to get some pushback from local politicians who are saying, 
We don't want it. We don't need it. Not now, maybe in certain places, but certainly not everywhere, Mr. President. And, and we and we did hear, Matt, stick with us for a second. We did hear from the president as he was getting ready to make his trip down a little earlier today. He was talking about the battle going on right now for his wall. Let's take a listen to the president. I have the absolute right to declare a national emergency. I haven't done it yet. I may do it. If this doesn't work out, probably I will do it. I would almost say definitely. This is a national emergency. Well, the news uh, incorrectly reported because I said, well, if we go back and everything's peachy dory and you say we'll talk over 30 days, at the end of 30 days, are you going to give us great border security, which includes a wall or a steel barrier? She said, no. I didn't pound on table. I didn't raise my voice. That was a lie. What you should do is give them Pinocchios, because if you ask Mike Pence and you ask Kevin McCarthy, you ask anybody in the room, they will say, because I know if I do that, you're going to report it. But you guys report it anyway because you're fake news. But let me just tell you something. I very calmly said, if you're not going to give us strong borders, bye-bye, and I left. I didn't rant. I didn't rave like you reported. I like, I mean, some of the newspapers, oh, and then Schumer always has a standard line. He had a temper tantrum. I don't have temper tantrums. I really don't. But it plays to his narrative, but it's a lie. I very calmly walked out of the room. I didn't smash the table. I should have, but I didn't smash the table. And that's the story. So all of that, wait, all of that narrative is a lie. Either we're gonna win or make a compromise. I'm okay to make it a compromise. Compromise is in my vocabulary very strongly. So we're either going to have a win, make a compromise, because I think a compromise is a win for everybody, or I will declare a national President Trump earlier today before heading down to the border. Let's bring in ABC News contributor John Cohen. He's the former deputy undersecretary of Homeland Security in the Obama administration. John, uh, just walk us through that for a second, though, because the president's saying that he can declare a national emergency here. He is saying it's a crisis. We just saw Matt Gutman down there who's been talking to folks saying a wall in that area of McAllen, Texas, is not going to help. What is your impression knowing the area? Yeah, so the President of the United States does have the authority to declare a national emergency. And over the past several administrations, there have been several national emergencies actually declared. Uh, the, after the September 11th attacks, where we had 3,000 people die, uh, we had planes all across the country grounded. Uh, we didn't know if there was another terrorist attack pending, so a national emergency was declared. Uh, the swine flu, uh, and even more recently, uh, in response to overdose, uh, 72,000 overdose deaths in this country, those are examples of the types of situations where national emergencies have or should be, should be declared. The national emergency uh, authorization process, though, is not intended to be used simply because you can't convince Congress to fund one of your political priorities. And that's where I think uh, there's serious question here, because there are 
uh, serious law enforcement issues that have to be contended with at the southern border. There is, has been a recent surge in families uh, presenting themselves at the uh, southern border uh, seeking asylum, which has stretched resources thin. But whether that reaches the level uh, of, a, of a national security uh, or, or humanitarian crisis remains to be seen. John, how is this crisis any different than what you dealt with during the Obama administration when there are actually more border crossings? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. When we, when I was at the, the uh, Department of Homeland Security and I was there for about five years, there were multiple situations, um, whether uh, it had to do with an increase in unaccompanied minors at the southern border, an increase in people seeking asylum, uh, some spikes in uh, border crossings, or even other situations such as increased homicides uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know, the, the department was designed to deal with these types of situations, and it was always intended to operate in a way so that when you had a, a major event or, or, or a major threat situation, the department's resources would be combined, brought together, uh, and applied in a, a holistic way to deal with the problem uh, that was being presented. So in some respects, uh, there is a very, you know, there's a serious challenge down there at the border right now, in particular as it relates to what Matt was saying, the processing of these people who uh, are seeking asylum. But what isn't happening, from at least from what I can see, is that the department has brought together resources from across the department and across the federal government uh, in order to deal with th this increase in people. And that's and, compounding and, the issue. And Matt Gutman, let me go back to you and before you have to leave us. You know, not only just today, Matt, you, you've done extensive reporting down there. You were traveling along with that caravan that was uh, several months ago in the news. President saying, according to him, there's another one uh, forming now. I mean, just give people a sense, Matt, because you spent so much time uh, with those people for several weeks just hearing their stories. I mean, the people that are coming in, what was the sense that you got from them? It depends where they come from and how long they've been on the road, John. But uh, the people in the caravan, many of them said that they were fleeing violence, but a lot of people were coming for economic purposes because they wanted to give their children a better life. Um, and that's what we are finding, sort of a, a mixed bag of people. And I think what we're understanding now and from talking to asylum seekers who are now in the processing center where we toured yesterday um, by the way just an aside John was talking about 2014 where there was literally an overflow of families and children at these processing centers that was a national emergency they had nowhere to put them they were literally putting children in the sally ports of border uh, patrol stations um, and what the border patrol is concerned about now is that they're going to run into a similar situation because they are underfunded because they are understaffed don't have enough Medics. Those are the situations that we are starting to see now, and that's why we're talking about the Border Patrol asking for so many more resources. Now, um, back to what these people are looking for. By and large, they're looking for a better life. Many of them are fleeing violence, but not all of them. Um, and what's interesting is the trek that they're willing to go through and endure the suffering. Um, we talked to a Nicaraguan family that was apprehended at the border yesterday, just a few miles from where we are, uh, a mother and three of her children. Uh, her son is a university student in Tegucigalpa, um, and he fears a crackdown by the government, which is now cracking down on dissidents. Um, that's why she said they are here, and it took them three months to get here from Nicaragua. She was 
exhausted and she was very emotional beginning to cry um, when she was loaded into the Border Patrol vehicle. Um, so for many of the people, you know, coming here isn't the beginning of something, it's also the end of a very, very long and arduous journey. Um, and the question is, what happens to them after they're released from Customs and Border Protection? In many cases, after just two or three days of detention, they're released on their own recognizance, and this family said they wanted to go to Miami. Um, and more than likely, that's where they're going to be in just a couple of days from now. And that's something that a lot of people in this area and other Americans are saying um, just doesn't make sense that these people are released uh, by the thousands into the U.S. Um, but that is, and I'm going long here, but that is based on a court ruling that was um, instituted in 1997. The Flores Agreement reamended and uh, in 2014 after that uh, massive uh, influx of families and children. So they are trying to protect families by ensuring that they don't have to stay in these detention centers for too long, John. Yeah, well, it's something, Matt, that uh, leaders here are definitely talking about the Flores Amendment, as you mentioned. Matt Gutman on the border, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, your insights, sir, as always, and good to see you as well. John Cohen, before uh, we let you go, uh, just one thing that, that you know, uh, we were talking a little earlier here today. I want to put up um, a tweet from uh, the coordinating producer for our White House unit, Justin Fischel. Um, he, he was actually talking about this presentation uh, that President Trump uh, was getting earlier from Border Patrol uh, agents, and one of the things we're seeing the agent there por uh, point to, John, I don't know if you could see it with us, but uh, she's talking about all the things that um, are confiscated uh, in ports of entry. She's talking about drugs, cash, etc. Um, but these are things that, um, you know, didn't get caught because of no wall. They were in normal ports of entry or through tunnels, what Nancy Pelosi was talking about. I mean, it is sort of interesting that, that right there, the information and what we're seeing the administration trying to push is the problem aren't exactly adding up. No, I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, even before he left on his trip, he, uh, the president mentioned that uh, the, the drugs coming into the country were not coming in. I, I think he said the portals, but I, I believe he meant the ports of entry. That's, in fact, inconsistent with his, what his Drug Enforcement Administration and his own CBP uh, and ICE uh, are reporting. Um, there are a significant amount of drugs that come to the United States from the South. Uh, heroin, methamphetamine, cocaine, marijuana, but the overwhelming majority of those drugs either come uh, concealed in load vehicles, which are trucks, cars, campers that have hidden compartments, or hidden in, or concealed in legitimate cargo, all coming through uh, the port of entry. Uh, when they're not coming through the port of entry, uh, the majority of the, the rest of the drugs are either coming through the Caribbean uh, or the Pacific transit zones or, or by commercial air. When I was a police officer working narcotics in Southern California, we were much more concerned about tractor trailers bringing up 5, 10, you know, 15,000 kilos of cocaine than somebody carrying a backpack with five or six kilos on their back crossing uh, the frontier part of the border. So, you know, it, it, the major challenge is illegal drugs coming in through the ports of entry, and a border wall just is going to have no impact on that whatsoever. Well, John Cohen, we appreciate your expertise on this every step of the way. We know you'll be keeping in touch with us, and we'll certainly be keeping in touch with you. John Cohen, ABC News, as we appreciate it. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, let's move on. As we're talking about, Tara, day 20 um, of the government shutdown, it seems like it's going to keep going tomorrow, a big day, because nobody's going to get their 
paychecks. Yeah, and it's just, it's it's really scary for families that are leaving paycheck to paycheck right now. Right, and a lot of, actually a lot of these workers will miss their first paycheck this week. Uh, they've been able to get by by uh, being paid every two weeks and they were collecting their paychecks from December but now that it's the new year a lot of them won't be paid so you'll hear even louder voices I'm sure um, also there's going to be the issue of TSA more right. traveling um, these people are they're obviously having an issue with recruitment right now they may be losing workers and this will just slow down the wait yeah. times in the airports and you'll hear even louder outcry from people who may be not directly affected but mm -hmm are indirectly affected. And, and let's go to both sides of Pennsylvania Avenue right here in D.C. because th this is really what it comes down to. Our chief producer up on Capitol Hill, ABC's Trish Turner, she's been watching this and following members around and trying to figure out what's going on. Trish, uh, we, we know uh, from uh, Chuck uh, Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, they went in, they ran out. The president confirmed what he tweeted yesterday. He said bye-bye and left the room. Where does it stand right now? We know the vice president was on the Hill earlier today. Nothing seems to have happened. Hey, guys, uh, it's a positively grim mood around uh, this place. Uh, one of our producers ran into Senator Lindsey Graham. He basically said, I'm done. I can't find a way forward. I don't know what we're doing. And um, it would seem that um, this there were some negotiations going on behind the scenes. Graham, a top Trump ally, as you know, he was trying to get some Republican senators, some of the more moderate ones who want to end this government shutdown, trying to get them in the same room. We saw them last night. Jared Kushner even traveled to the Hill to talk to them. And they're, they were trying to sort of put DACA into some kind of emergency supplemental to try to get the president money right away. But the DACA fix um, is just right now a no-go for the White House. Um, we had one of our uh, other producers in a pen and pad briefing with Vice President Pence. Um, he's up here with Kellyanne Conway still. It feels like he hasn't left, um, but he's not making any headway. He's uh, Now he's talking to reporters and telling them, look, the president wants to see what the Supreme Court's going to do about DACA. So we don't want that in part of a fix. So basically, Lindsey Graham, he just threw up his hands and said, I'm going to the gym. I don't know what we're doing. And meanwhile, at 2 o'clock, the Senate just took its last vote, and they're done for the weekend. Yeah, they're, they're confident in the White House that the Supreme Court will vote in their favor, so they don't really yeah. see it as a bargaining right. chip. And then you also have the issue, President Trump was hounded this morning. Are you going to invite Pelosi and Schumer back to the White House since yesterday went so well, yeah, you could say? You could um, say. And no answer from that. So if he says that the only three people who can actually and the shutdown are him, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, and Schumer, then and I'm when will it end? And I'm curious, Tara, we're going to bring Jordan Phelps into this conversation in a second. She's over at the White House for us today. But Tara, just from your reporting, I mean, what is your sense of Mike Pence's role in this? Because he's been sent up to the Hill. He's up there right now, as Trisha said, with Kellyanne Conway. Uh, he did meetings over the weekend with staffers. I mean, he sort of seems to be the Trump chief negotiator in this one. A negotiator without any power, yeah. though, because he's, co he's come to the Hill before. He's offered lower than the $5.6 billion that President Trump is now holding firm on. And President Trump, they, they were reluctant to accept his offer. The, the Democrats said that because they don't know that he has the full backing of the president, that he might change his mind. There's a lot of lost trust between them. And so if the president is flat out saying, only I can fix this, yeah. then why are you sending Pence? He's just a goodwill diplomat on yeah. the Hill. He's lost all the goodwill. Right. Let's bring Jordan Phelps in. She's over at the White House for us. Jordan, we were talking earlier about uh, the state of play, if you will. Uh, will he or won't he? Uh, maybe definitely, I think it was, <laughs> regarding a national emergency. Um, what are we hearing at this moment? Where does it seem like that uh, idea is heading? 
Yeah, that's where we stand. The president said as he left for Texas, where he is now, he just arrived at the border, where he's going to get a tour with Border Patrol agents there, uh, as he said, on, on the front lines. Um, but things haven't moved at all. Uh, and yesterday, the president walked out of that meeting that he began by handing out Snickers, Butterfingers, and M&Ms, uh, and, you know, basically threw his hands up at the situation. You know, the president, it seems, is waiting for Democrats to come to him. Uh, but the president, the problem here from a negotiating standpoint is the president is the one who really wants something here. Both sides want to reopen the government, right? But the president is the only one who wants this wall. Uh, and now, as we are in day 20, the only thing that that's changed as the president is down here on the border, providing him another opportunity to build this PR case, essentially, for his wall. Yeah, but the one thing we all got to agree on here, nobody makes a deal over a Butterfinger. Let, let's just put that to bed. <laughs> nobody eats those things. But but Jordan, Jordan, one more thing from you before you leave us. You know, as we're just watching the images now of President Trump uh, down on the border, getting briefed uh, by local officials there. Um, he's joined by a couple members of the Senate as well. I see Ted Cruz over his shoulder. Um, you know, just at this moment, Jordan, the people that are working on this in the White House, we obviously think of anything that involves mm -hmm. the wall as Stephen Miller. Who else is on this team right now that's coalescing around the president for this one? The biggest sticking point here, John, is the White House Counsel's Office, the lawyers, the people who tell the president whether or not he can legally make something work. Uh, and the president insists that those lawyers have told him he has complete authority, which then begs the question, well, why haven't you just done it already? Uh, right. So we know that the lawyers keep going over this uh, and keep trying to find a way for the president to move ahead with this. But clearly, John, there's some sort of holdup uh, because it hasn't happened yet. We'll be watching it all. Jordan Phelps at the White House, Trish Turner on Capitol Hill. Thank you both. We appreciate it. And, and one of the things we've been talking about um, for most of the show, most of the last couple of weeks, is the effect on government workers. We know that as we were just talking about, um, come Friday, many of them are not going to be getting paychecks. And ABC Steve Osinsami spoke to one of those workers. This person is an air traffic controller down in Atlanta. Let's hear a little bit about their story with Steve. Everybody's got financial obligations. And you start looking at the real possibility that what if I can't meet those financial obligations? I mean, nobody wants to lose their house. Nobody wants to lose their car. And, the thing, and there are going to be families who, single income families that you, you can only go so long on a single income. You can only go so long and even um, NACA has secured a, a short term loan possibility and it gives you 90 days. Well, let's say we get to 90 days and we're not getting paid. A single income family, how are you going to pay that back? Like you can continue to take out money, you can continue to put things on a credit card, you can run through your, your savings, but then at some point, you know, money is finite. And then what do you do? And we're going to now turn for more information on the numbers, Tara. Right. Uh, ABC's Ann Flaherty has been reporting on this for the past 20 days. What's the latest, Ann? Hi, John. Hey, hi, Tara. So there's a real irony in all of this, which is that uh, this shutdown has the potential to really hurt the economy, which obviously is not Trump's goal. But we're talking about $1.2 billion in losses each week, according to uh, standards and pours. And then we're also looking at the last time there was a sustained shutdown. The estimate was anywhere between 2 and $6 billion of an impact. And the other irony in this, of course, is that uh, the shutdown has crippled immigration courts. So a lot of the people who Matt was telling you about get showing up at the border, trying to get through the border, those people who process those asylum claims, a lot of them have been 
been furloughed, so that's been crippled as well. We've seen other impacts. Um, obviously, at national parks, they're, they're trying very hard to keep their doors open, um, but they're having serious sanitation and safety issues. And then we're also coming up on tax season. That's coming up uh, in two and a half short weeks. We had a major tax reform bill uh, last year, and the question is, if you call the IRS with questions, who's going to be there to answer it? And Anne, before we let you go, you and your team are obviously tracking this and the impact across all of the government agencies. Mm -hmm. Just what you're seeing, Anne, I mean, come Friday, as you said, no paychecks. We're going to hit day 21. The weekend, it's the longest government shutdown we've ever seen. What do you think is going to be that next first thing, if you will, as we enter this next act, that people are really going to start to see and notice that there is a shutdown happening? You know, that that's an interesting question. We, we're calling the agencies, and they're not giving us a whole lot of information. They keep saying, well, we're okay this week. Let's talk next week. Uh, one agency official told me, you know, we're really okay until February. That's when we start to have to dig into the couch cushions. But I think the IRS tax season is when it's we're really it's going to become apparent. They have to come up with a plan on dealing uh, with a very busy tax season with that new law. That's going to be one of the things that I think we're going to be watching very closely. ABC's Ann Flaherty, you and the team are watching it. And thank you very much. We appreciate it. Coming back inside the briefing room quickly, we've got another little update today. Mm -hmm. One of Donald Trump's friends going to the Hill. Right. The House Oversight Committee wants to speak with Michael Cohen. It's something that they've signaled they wanted to speak to him after he was um, sentenced mm -hmm. and, um, you know, accepted his sentencing. So he will be heading to the Hill before he goes to jail to tell his story. And he released a statement earlier today. He said, in furtherance of my commitment to cooperate and provide the American people with answers, I have accepted the invitation of Chairman Cummings to appear publicly on February 7th before the Committee on Oversight and Government Reform. That was a statement from Michael Cohen to ABC News. He also says that I look forward to having the privilege of being offered, uh, afforded rather, a platform which to provide, to give a full and credible account of the events which have transpired. So what are you doing on February 7th? <laughs> Well, we'll all be on the Hill, that's for yeah, sure, trying to stake out Michael Cohen and Congress, because it might not be an open hearing. Do we know yet? Uh, it sounds like it's public, actually, that we're in. To your point, Tara, that's right. I mean, most of these hearings with these individuals have been closed-door private hearings. Mm -hmm. It actually is quite rare to see any of these individuals in public testimony. But we know that under this new Democratic Congress, mm -hmm. they have said that they are going to call people back, many of whom had testified previously right. behind closed doors. And now the Democrats get to choose the rules if it's an open hearing or not so the public can hear their stories. We're going to be keeping track on all of it. You can catch the latest anytime at abcnews.com or download the ABC News app. For Tara Palmieri, I'm John Santucci. Thanks for joining us today. You're watching ABC News.